Hi Adam, Hi. nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. Luisa? Yes. Cool. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm, I'm good. Yeah, this should be fun. Welcome to Cross Pass, the brand new UTMB World Series podcast. Each month, two trail runners, one elite and one amateur, will meet and discuss what trail running means to them. In their conversation, they'll also reveal what drives them in life and how they express it on the hills. They will share their common passions, interests, beliefs, and get to know each other along the way. And so will we. In episode number eight, Adam Peterman, the rising American star of trail running, meets Luisa Moro, a local runner from Chamonix, who spoke about van life, how they have dealt with injuries, and running with their dogs. We hope you'll enjoy this privileged moment where they cross paths. Hey, Luisa. Hi, Adam. Yeah, thanks for being here. This is awesome. I'm stoked yeah. to have this conversation. So you are 27, you were born in Chamonix, you started running as a teenager with your mother, but you quickly joined a club and ran some competitions like the Cross du Mont Blanc. Then you moved to Canada and you continued to run and took part in Gaspasia 100. Today, you live in France with your dog and in your van, enjoying the nature and the freedom of that. Is that all correct? Did I miss something? No, I think it's pretty accurate actually. Cool, that's yeah, awesome. That's a great yeah. introduction. So Adam, you were born in Missoula, Montana in 1995. You started running in high school and continued both trail running and road running in university. Years went by and victories started to pile up with a peak in 2022 with four major victories. So the Chuckanut 50K in March, the Canyons 100K in April, the Western States Ultra in June and the World Trail Running Championships in Chiang Mai last November. Unfortunately, you had to take a break due to a stress fracture you discovered early 2023. So at the moment, you're recovering passionately, but you still came to Chamonix to practice your French, right? Yeah, yeah, we, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although, I've, yeah, I've been doing some practicing of French, but okay. I've realized it, I don't know very much. Uh, okay. It's really hard to understand, <laughs> is what I've Fair found. enough. Yeah, French is super hard to learn. This yeah. is what everyone says. Yeah, I think so. I need like full immersion to actually learn because... I can read some words, but yeah, it's been really hard to understand. <laughs> it's, it is I'm a little disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna break the ice here. So we are recording this podcast in Chamonix a few days before the crazy UTMB week. How does it feel to be here in Cham right now, knowing that you're injured and you cannot run? It's amazing to be here. I mean, it's such a beautiful place. I've never been anywhere in the world that's like this, where you can see a mountain that's like 12,000 feet higher than the valley floor and it's cool seeing all the people and all the energy around trail running for sure. I was here last year as well, just crewing my girlfriend who ran CCC. Nice. But I didn't, it was never my plan to run last year. So this year it's, it's a little disappointing to not be able to run as that was like my original intention. But I mean, I got injured so long ago that now I'm on a different path and I've had plenty of time to get over that. So yeah, wow. I'm just happy to be here and okay. yeah, for Interesting. sure. So back to your past and roots, so when you first started running, were you in grade school? I started running uh, when I was a teenager. I think I was like my first run must have been, I must have been 12 or 13, mm. something like that. And I started racing when I signed up in the local Chamonix club. And I was about 15 or mm. 16, something like that. So it's not really linked. But yeah, I started running with my mother when I was young. I got hooked by like the sport, I loved the simplicity of it and started racing just because it felt kind of natural at the time. I signed up in the CMBM, which is the local Chamonix club. 
So yeah, that's about it. I've been racing for five years with the club and then I moved to Canada, so I wasn't able to run with the club anymore and just continued running yeah. since then. What does it, like in America, when we start running at that age, it's, we're running cross country and track. So it's like cross country is on grass or like often on a yeah. golf course and then track is like athletics. Yeah. What does it look like in Chamonix to start running? Are you running in the mountains right away? Or so I think, I think it's a really French thing to do cross country when you are really young at school. Mm -hmm. Like this is something you have no choice about. This is just the things we do during fall. Like schools, mm -hmm. we just bring the students to cross country on the weekend. Oh, everyone like does it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So I've been running cross country when I was young. I hated it. It was horrible. <laughs> really. So it's not where it comes from, like the passion for running. So I started when I was like 12 or 13, I started running with my mother. It was pure pleasure there. Like no races, it wasn't in school or anything. And then when I signed up in the local club, it was in the mountains, it was trail running. We trained on track because it was part of the training plan. But yeah, we run mostly on trails here. I mean, like yeah. the playground in Chamonix is just awesome for that. Yeah, unreal. Yeah, for sure. I was, I was wondering because it seems like it would be, if you weren't running trails and doing steep trails, it seems like you only have like two options for runs from town. Yeah, absolutely. Actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's really cool. Dang. On your side, how did the transition between like running cross country and track when you were young and running long distances happen? Like, was it like a shift or was it like a process or? So yeah, in high school, I ran cross country and track. So you run like a 5k in cross country and then track is, it's like a 1600 meter and 3200 meter. So a lot much shorter. And then I went on to run in college at the University of Colorado, which was a really good team. We won cross country nationals when I was a freshman and sophomore. I was on the team my freshman year when we won, I didn't compete. A lot of freshmen don't compete their freshman year just so they can like get ready for the next four years. So how old are you, like freshman year? Oh, you'd be like 18. Okay. But yeah, I ran, so I ran in college for, yeah, it was five years at University of Colorado, mainly doing much shorter events. I ran the steeplechase. You know, you're running three kilometers around a track. There's jumps and water barriers, and it's really fun. Cool. Uh, <laughs> And I was okay, like the big goal is to become uh, All-American is what it's called. And so in track, that would mean you finished in the top eight at the national meet. And I was never there. I feel like I was kind of second tier. Like I worked really hard, but I don't know, it just seemed like I was constantly getting like little injuries all the time doing these shorter events. Okay. So yeah, after college, I graduated. I moved back home to Montana, where I'm from, and just started doing a lot more like longer type things, not even for racing or competition, just for fun. For like For myself, yeah. So I was doing a lot more like trail runs because where I live as well, it's like a really good place to do trail runs. But yeah, then like a year went by and I signed up for a trail marathon. It was like the U.S. National Championships of Trail Marathon, okay. kind of a weird designation. Like trail marathon, so it was basically like a 42 k's on trails? Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. in uh, Utah. Okay. So in the desert. But yeah, I ended up doing that. I ended up winning and got the course record, which was really cool and kind of a surprise because like I said, in college I ran okay, but I was never like winning national caliber meets. So yeah, after that I decided maybe I'd try to pursue running again, but this time on the trails. And yeah, fortunately it's worked out pretty well so far. Yeah. Okay. So winning that race was like 
the moment where the seed was planted for trail running and yeah i think so okay, yeah because cool. I've, I've always done trail running just out of joy like it was never my intention when i started uh, running trails to like do it professionally but it's totally given me like a second chance at the sport which is really cool mm. and okay. i definitely i think it suits me better growing up in Montana and in Missoula, the whole community of runners is more centered towards ultra running and trail running. So I think yeah, I was kind okay. of molded by it as a child without even realizing it. You must have like amazing trail networks in Montana as well. Yeah. And like super nice trails in the mountains and stuff. For sure. Run. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. It's uh, like here, I feel like is the best and like biggest terrain I've ever seen for trail running. But Montana's awesome. Yeah, for sure. I've never been there, but I'd love to. Oh yeah, it's great. I guess it's a little different, like there's not as many trails and sometimes you can get a lot more remote. Like we don't have like a chalet or like a gondola that goes up to the top of the mountains, but yeah. still uh, really, really cool. Yeah, in the in introduction, I asked you about this Gaspasia 100. What was that race and when did you compete in that? I didn't run the 100K, I ran the 60. I think it was in 2021. I was still living in Canada and um, yeah, I just ended up signing for that race with a very good friend of mine. And uh, it was a super nice experience. It was a very like small race, like super local. Where is it located? In Gaspésia. So Gaspésia is like the very eastern part of French Canada. Oh, like the French okay. part of Canada. Okay. Yeah. So is it pretty hilly and technical or? It was super technical just because trails in Canada, well, in the French part at least, are like super like roots everywhere and and rocks and stuff like that but it wasn't super hilly but it was like the the route was amazing like the start on the shore and then up in the mountains and then back on the shore it was really cool so yeah that's the longest uh, race i've ever run that's cool and yeah it was a super nice experience so i've been training for like four or five months before i think and uh yeah it was amazing. I loved it. Was that your first ultra marathon race then? Or had you? Absolutely. Okay. And the only one so far. Oh, cool. So, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Had you run that far before then, like just running around in Chamonix or? Never. Oh, cool. Yeah. It Dang. was the first time I ran like 60 Ks. Like, yeah. One shot. <laughs> yeah. Really. That's awesome. But yeah, it was cool. And I felt okay. I mean, I wasn't injured. I was okay after the race. My feet were in pain, but everything went pretty well. well that's pretty cool so is that so that was your first ultra have you run an ultra since no that's cool. actually the last race i run i think yeah so it was two years ago oh cool so, yeah Dang. i've only been running for myself since yeah no that's awesome though yeah do you have any other like this upcoming year any uh races or challenges nope nothing at all nothing planned no nothing yeah. planned training for nothing just running for me really, yeah really that's what it's about though yeah 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 so I want to maybe just open the topic about your injury. Would you explain a bit more what mm -hmm. is happening to you? Yeah, I get so in May of this year, I was gearing up for big season. I was hoping to run Western States 100 again in the US and then come to Europe in August and run Sierra Zanal in Switzerland and then CCC at UTMB here. But unfortunately, I was dealing with this kind of vague like pain in my 
like groin area, kind of awkward spot for like two months. It was actually getting better. I'd been doing a lot of PT, lifting weights, felt like I was on top of it. And then in May I went for, I think it was like a 25 mile training run and like 15 miles in just started getting like really sharp low back pain, which was quite a bit different than what I'd been feeling for the past two months. So I stopped the run, didn't get any better for like a day. So I got an MRI to get it looked at and learned I had a sacral stress fracture. Like your sacrum is a part of your pelvis, but it's a triangular shaped bone at your lower back. Yeah. It's like where your spine meets your pelvis and then below your sacrum is your tailbone. But anyway, I got a stress fracture there, which it was kind of surprising to me. Like I'd never had an injury like that before. Like the injuries that I always deal with was always my Achilles tendons or my ankles. It was always my feet. No, I was really surprised to learn that I had this injury and really disappointed because then I wasn't able to do like any of the races that I'd planned on doing. And So uh, you, when you learned about the injury, you knew straight away that you weren't gonna be able to run for like the whole summer or yeah, I, like the three races you had yeah, planned? I knew I wouldn't be able to do Western States for sure. I got the injury six weeks before Western States and I think the fastest a bone can heal is like six weeks usually. And like my stress fracture was pretty bad. They have grades of them, like one, two, three, and four. And mine was like a four. Wow, uh, okay. Yeah, I guess if I'm gonna do it, I just went for it. So I was pretty sure that I, I knew I wouldn't do Western States. I thought maybe I could do CCC, but I felt like the chance of that happening was really low, just given like the severity of this injury. So yeah, it was tough. Like I had to reframe a lot of my goals. Yeah, I was, I was like really surprised and disappointed for a couple weeks. And you had to stop completely like running but also any other type of activities i guess yeah and that was also a surprise like i usually end up doing a lot of cross training just because i like it i do a lot of cycling in the summer and skiing in the winter so when i got this injury i was like well the silver lining is that i like i'll be able to bike a ton and i started planning this bike trip like to go across montana and like now it's three months later and i've biked like two times like i just wow. bike around okay. for commuting but I never actually bike to train. Yeah, just the more I've learned about this injury, the more I think a lot of it resulted from overtraining, maybe not even necessarily too much running, but I think I just had too much volume of running and biking and everything. But it was tough. Exercise is like, it's what I like to do and it's how I connect with my friends and feel better. And I didn't get to do anything for like two months. So yeah, it was, it I, like, I mean, you're a pro athlete, so this is obvious, but I think a huge part of your identity is intertwined with the athletic field, like sports, yeah. doing sports and being outside and doing stuff. Yeah. So we can, you were kind of forced to pick up like a super slow tempo totally. like, of life. Yeah. So what did you do with all the time? I do have a part-time job that I get to do in the middle of the day, helping put on trail races and plan for races that we put on with this little company in Missoula. But you know, that only takes so much time. So yeah, I tried to focus more on that after a month or so i could start fishing that's like a big passion of mine so oh, cool. <laughs> yeah uh yeah unfortunately I was, i was on crutches for about a month but once i was off crutches i was able to actually start like fishing again which was fun okay so i'd say that's what i've been doing with my spare time I was going to ask you, since we're talking about injuries, like, have you ever had an injury in sport or even not even running or? Yeah, 
I broke a rib mountain biking a few oh. years ago in Canada. That was painful, but this is an injury. You, you can't do anything mm -hmm. about it. Like you just wait. You just have to wait. And yeah, I got injured actually during the training for that 60K I run in Caspasia. So I had periostitis. periostitis oh, yeah. Where uh, at? Like the back of my shins. Okay. Both sides at the same time. Oh, brutal. Yeah. It's super painful. Yeah. That was the worst part. Like it was super painful. I think it was like a month and a half before the race. So that was quite close. Did you have to take time off? Yeah, or? I had to yeah. start running for two weeks, oh. which is a lot when you are like a month and a half away from the race. So yeah, I had to stop running completely. I think I was able to cycle, which was great because I was able to train a little bit. So I met a super great physiotherapist and he gave me a plan. Like you're going to do some uh, mobility ex exercises and stuff like that for two weeks and then you're going to slowly start running again yeah. and just see what happens. It was kind of magical because after two weeks, like no more pain. I mean, that race was just about having fun with my friend and if I, I wouldn't have been able to race it, it was okay. No pressure at all. Yeah. I'm not a pro athlete. But it was really something I wanted to do. So I was like, ah. But nothing like, nothing huge compared to you, for example. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm interested to know if you kind of took that injury and that very slow tempo for months as an opportunity to work on something else, like mental health or I don't know. How did it felt? Yeah, I feel like there were a lot of things, like a lot of questions I had of why it happened and what I could do in the future to avoid it. So I, th I feel like that's where my head went right away. Like, okay, this happened and that was like really unfortunate. Like, how do I move forward to make sure it doesn't happen again? And I think that was good for my mental health because I think otherwise I just would have been like, like wallowing or just yeah. like stuck in it. So that was helpful to like try to make a plan going forward. Yeah, I think that's where I put a lot of my energy was like researching what happened and why it happened. And I think that's been good. Like, I feel like I have a good plan going forward because I like I coach myself. So there's like no one to blame for this injury, but kind of me, like I definitely made a lot of mistakes this winter that led to this that could have been avoided. So yeah, I think there's just a few things that need to be changed. And so hopefully it doesn't happen again. Yeah. I was going to ask, cause, so you grew up in Chamonix yeah. and obviously it's like a huge tourist destination. Do you still feel the magic of the environment you live in and like Mont Blanc and all that stuff? Or is it frustrating to just see like, it's this huge tourist destination. That's a tricky question. Yeah, so definitely Chamonix is a magical place. And I mean, landscapes are stunning. So for example, when I was living in Canada and I was coming back like maybe, let's say once or twice a year, I was always amazed when I came back here. I was like, wow, the mountains are so high. Yeah. And this is something when you grow up here, I think this is true for everyone, everywhere in the world, but you just get used to what you totally. see every day, which yeah. is normal. Like. No guilt here, it's, it's okay. But so yeah, when I was living away, I kind of realized that we tend to take things for granted. And this is still an incredible place. But yeah, being a Chamonix kid, as we say, there are definitely downsides. And I think growing up here and witnessing how masterism and climate change has changed the valley so much mm. is definitely one of them. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was just asking because uh, I feel like that'd just be so interesting to have, yeah, like so many people come and visit this place that's your home. Okay. I was curious if there were, yeah, like grumpy locals here, 
Because I feel like it's a very a American thing to have. Yeah. I, I think we do have a tendency to be grumpy during high season because yeah. it's just, I mean, you've been here for a few days and you were there, you were here busy. last year. So it's super busy and even walking in the streets is hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as locals, I think we, we do get a little grumpy about that. So we were talking about training a bit mm. uh, earlier. Mm -hmm. I just want to ask another question in that area because you... You are only 28 mm -hmm. and you already have like an impressive and promising career. I'm curious to know more about how far in the future do you plan? Mm. Not just like training wise or running wise, yeah. races, stuff like that, but in a general way in your life, how far do you yeah. think? Uh, yeah, I feel, I feel like I planned farther now than I used to. It used to just be like I'd sign up for a race and then do it and then see how I was recovering and sign up for another. It was actually kind of annoying because then I would like try to sign up for them and wouldn't be able to get in because, you, you know, yeah. you, you <laughs> okay. have to plan a little farther ahead than I was. Uh, but no, I'd say in the last two years, I try to plan ahead a general race schedule for the next, yeah, probably a year or two in advance. Y yeah, trying to make a schedule that actually would work and be feasible and so yeah i feel like i actually had a pretty long-term plan before this injury like i was going to do the races western states ccc take a small break and then i was going to try to run a flat marathon hmm. uh, on the road on the road Whoa. i was going to try to do that in december with the goal of qualifying for the uh, it's called the olympic trials in the u.s or if you run faster than two hours and uh 18 minutes in the marathon then you qualify for the olympic trials and then the top three at the Olympic trials for men and women make the Olympics. I just wanted to run at the trials because that's always been a goal of mine. So I had like this huge plan, like a year and a half in advance. Then this injury kind of derails everything. So I don't know. You got to, it's funny in the sport because you have to, like you have to be really strategic about it and smart and plan ahead. But then if things change, your mind has to be like water. You're just like, okay, Let's I'll do something else. Yeah, let's change something else. <laughs> uh, so that's kind of tricky. Yeah, okay. But I would say I'm right now I'm like planning what 2024 and 2025 might okay. look like. But it's tricky because I want to qualify for Western States again next year and run that race, but I have to qualify. So now you would have to pick up a race within the next year that will allow you to get yeah. like a golden ticket? Golden ticket, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, uh, I would have to get... Um, I would probably run either like the Black Canyon 100K in February or the Canyons 100K in uh, April. And I have to get like top two at those races to qualify for Western States. So right now I'm tentatively feeling like I would do Canyons, not like rush back from this injury. Yeah, okay. So I feel like I'm planning that far ahead. And then obviously I really want to run a race at UTMB. I just don't know what that looks like, given if I do Western States, will I be injured afterwards or will I be able to run? Yeah, because Western States is in June, right? In June, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and so UTMB being in August, it's a short period of time. Yeah, it's a between. short time. And then eventually I want to run UTMB here. The main race, the full you loop. Mean? Yeah. The full loop? Yeah, okay. the big one. Yeah. So, do you yeah. think you're going to sign up again for CCC next year and then try UTMB like yeah, later? I feel, or? I feel like I want to do UTMB within the next two years. Yeah. Actually, honestly, I'd, I'd, it would be fun to do next year. I'm just a little worried about doing it like that close to having this injury and maybe trying Western States again. Yeah. Like, I don't okay. want to do the double. That's yeah. what people always call it. Western States and UTMB is the, the double. double. <laughs> yeah. And I want to do that someday, but I think not next year after yeah. this injury. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, but that, that would be like my, those are like my dream races to do or would be do well at UTMB and do well at Western States again. Yeah, just figuring out the timeline is tricky because 
with this injury, I can't like make plans. Yeah. I just have to take it like week by week. And when will you be able to run again? I'm hoping in the next month. Yeah, so right now I am, I have no pain like walking or anything like that. So I do a weighted pack hike for 90 minutes right now, every other day. I think it's called rucking. But I go, yeah, I carry a weighted pack. I go hiking for 90 minutes. And then on my off days, I lift weights. So kind of different okay. than running, but yeah. uh, I'll do that for the next month and then hopefully start running in middle of September. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any dream races or challenges you want to do at some point? I am really intrigued by extreme self-supported endurance races like a week long like yeah like a week long or in very remote places mm -hmm. or stuff like that i'm thinking about race across america in cycling for example oh yeah this is that's gnarly that is so cool yeah. but sounds super extreme oh yeah i think this is definitely something I will try at some point. We have the Race Across Friends. In France oh yeah, I was well. gonna ask you about that. Yeah, so we do have it. How, is that like 2,000 kilometers or? I think there is like a 3,000, then like 1,000 and a few uh, smaller ones. Yeah. I would love to try the 1,000. I think it would be like a great start. <laughs> it's already a lot. It, is it like multi-day, like you have stages or do you just go for it? You just go day? for it, it's one go. So you'll sleep yeah. a little. You manage your sleep and your nutrition however you want. This yeah. is totally self-supported. So if you want to stop and take like a two-hour nap, that's on you. You can do wow. it. But yeah. Oh, that'd be so gnarly. Yeah, when I was younger, I was really interested in like seeing how far I could ride my bike in a day. I just rode my bike all day and went like 200 miles or like three, it was like 320k. Wow. That's a lot. Harder than Western States by far. <gasps> I was like 19 and I remember finishing and I like couldn't even sleep because my legs were so sore. And I was like, okay. why did I do that? But it was kind of awesome too, like to see if you could. Yeah, that was like my first uh, ultra experience probably. So becoming a pro athlete, is there something or oh, several things you feel like you had to give up? You know, I think what I love about being a pro ultra and trail runner is like, I feel like I didn't give up things. When I was running in college, it was really, it was intense, like super competitive. And I felt like I was giving up a lot of other stuff that I liked, you know, like when I was younger, I loved going mountain biking or climbing peaks and doing stuff like that. And in college, I didn't get to do any of that. And I lived in Colorado, like it was beautiful. There's like a bunch of 14ers you can climb. And I remember, yeah, like I just wasn't doing any of that stuff because we were just training so hard for track and field. And when I started trail running, that was the coolest thing is like combined all that stuff. Like I was still able to get out on my bike and run up mountains now and do all this all these things that beforehand weren't considered training to me. Yeah, that's why I think that's why being a pro ultra runner and trail runner has kind of been a dream come true because I was able to do all that stuff and not give up anything. I mean, yeah, like I have to be disciplined with some things. Like I can't just go crazy. Otherwise you'll overtrain or get injured. But no, it's like a lifestyle. I wouldn't trade it for sure. Yeah, I want to do this for a while. Wow, that's really cool. I was asking the question because I feel like most of the time pro athletes would say that they had to sacrifice something at some point to become a pro yeah. and give up some aspect of their personal life or whatever. Mm -hmm. But if it feels like just a good combination of yeah, everything you love to do and... Yeah, I don't feel like I did, cool. really. No, like, I don't know. I, I think some people are like, oh, well, I don't get to go out with my friends or do all this stuff. But I don't know, that was never like that big a part of my life. And like, I still drink beer. Like, I don't know. I don't, I'm not like really strict with that type of stuff. I just found like I do best in these races if I'm happy in general. 
and like not stressed. When I was younger, I was too strict with everything. And yeah, I just do better when it's like more chill. Even before I raced the world championships of trail in Thailand. And I remember wearing the USA jersey and all this stuff was like such a big deal to me when I was younger. Like that was my dream. And when it actually came down to that in, in Thailand at the world championships, I remember wearing the jersey and I was like, oh man, like I, I was feeling stressed. And I remember I was like, just forget about this. Like this is just another race and it went well. And I think a lot of it's cause I just was able to erase all those stressful things from my mind. Hmm. But that's just how I roll. I think a lot of people are different, but. Yeah, uh, definitely. But it sounds like a very healthy way to see things. And yeah, like the, the whole vision of your career seems very healthy. Yeah, so far it's been pretty good. I was a little stressed out this spring with Western States and this injury, and then it manifested into this stress fracture. But up until then, it's been pretty good. So wait, how, how far do you like stick around the Chamonix area with your van or have you gone all over? Uh, so I've been Traveling mostly in France. I've been in Spain for a few days in July. But yeah, I, I spent a month and a half in the Pyrenees. Have you oh, been there already? One time. Really Where cool. Exactly? Uh, my remember? sister studied abroad in uh, Toulouse. Yeah, okay. When she was younger. Yeah. And so we drove to the Pyrenees. I was pretty young, so I don't remember where we were. Yeah. But we like hiked up to this big cirque where there were, there was like four waterfalls pouring into one. Oh, Cirque de Gavarni. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's a, like such a magical place. This it was is, amazing. Yeah, this is, I was staying in that area wow. for a month and a half. I had never been there and that was really like a, an incredible find. Yeah, the Pyrenees. Yeah, I loved it. And with the van and my dog, Tiago, it's, it's super cool. Yeah, I really can... love the, like the slow tempo as well. And yeah, that's really cool. it's going to be hard to come back to reality. Yeah, yeah. I guess you get a remote <laughs> job and have um, like the, don't people drive around the vans and they have like a, it's like Wi-Fi. Yeah. <laughs> you can like have that. The antenna. The antenna. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of people. I, like, yeah. I was really impressed by the number of vans I have seen on the road during the, the whole summer. Yeah. It's crazy. Like even here in Sham, like, oh, you yeah. can see like that so many vans parked everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, it's really a thing. This is a weird question. But how does your dog not get too hot in there? I think I was quite lucky with the weather so far and uh -huh. the temperature. Like it's a big van, so uh -huh. it kind of keeps the cool inside okay. for a few hours. So yeah. yeah, Thiago was totally fine. We are spending most of the day outside anyway. With the dog. So we would just, yeah, yeah with the dog. So uh -huh. I would just go to a river or yeah, find some water or some a hike in the mountains to yeah. get a little higher and just the temperatures get cooler. So. That's what I was worried about. Yeah, we have a yeah. little uh, like pug chihuahua dog, hey. <laughs> really tiny. Really? But I would worry she'd get too hot in a van. She can do the runs with us, but not lately. She's like run out of steam or something. She's only three, but I think she realized she doesn't need to go on runs with us anymore. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so like when she hits her limit, she just like so lays down. she chooses not to. <laughs> she learned if she lays down on the run, it ends. And that was about like three months ago or four months ago. Yeah, now she's just my hiking partner. Okay. But, yeah. I'm surprised that she was even able to run in the first oh, place. Like one time we it's... went for a we went for a 26 mile hike one day. What? Like all day. And I've taken her on like 20 mile runs and stuff. You have to bring a bag of treats for her. I actually brought like a bag of uh, it was like <laughs> deer meat that I brought for her and she ate that. But yeah, not anymore. Now she like taps out at like five miles. 
but <laughs> would you be able to just pull her in your backpack if at some Maybe. point she was too yeah just too tired i guess my pace would have to slow down a ton yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. yeah that's so funny yeah because I, i used to do that when tiago was a baby he's an australian shepherd okay so, so medium yeah uh-huh. like medium now he's, he's just way too big yeah. so but he's super athletic so i would probably never have to put him in my yeah. backpack yeah he can do it all yeah yeah those things yeah i think our dog if she was if she was full chihuahua i think she would have more energy but the pug slows her down yeah <laughs> <laughs> wow that's so funny okay i have i have a question for you adam so do you have people in your life you consider like mentors yeah well one person who uh really inspired me to be a trail runner was my assistant coach in uh, high school was a professional trail runner for North Face. Uh, his name is Mike Foote, but he actually, when I was in high school, he ran UTMB and I can't remember which year it was, but his first time here, he was the top American. And then the next time he was like third or fourth overall. And I think the next time he was like fifth. Wow. So he was really strong here at UTMB. And this would have been back in like 2013 or 14. I think he really inspired me to see that running could give you that lifestyle and that these races even existed. Because, you know, I think as a like high schooler growing up in the United States running, like you don't really follow trail running unless you have someone like that in your life. So yeah, I think he definitely uh, left the imprint on me, especially at that age, you know. And even now, like I have this part-time job helping put on races in Montana and he's my boss. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's almost like I didn't so even need to go to college. part of your life. Totally. It's cool. funny, actually, my head coach at the high school I ran at, he's also my boss now. Okay. So those two own the business together. And then I'm like the employee. It's cool. Like, yeah, Missoula is a like, great community for running and those guys have been like huge mentors to me especially when i was younger too okay cool yeah. what mentors have you had growing up i had many but i'm gonna pick only one and so this is a woman who's been very important for me at a very specific time in my life i don't know her on a personal level she's an olympian she's an athlete she's Alexi Papas, do you know about oh, her? Oh, yeah. You do? She just ran uh, Leadville 100. Yeah? Like last week. Yeah? Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's really cool. Yeah, she ran for University of Oregon back in the day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so for so many reasons, I, yeah, I would consider her as a mentor because she is a pro athlete and uh, she's an Olympian, but she's so much more. She's done so many things. She's also like an actress, a filmmaker. She's a poet. Yeah. She's an author now. She wrote a book that is really amazing. Bravey. I can only recommend. Have you read it? No, but I know about it. Oh, yeah. wow. You really need to. I want to, yeah. That book is incredible. But yeah, for, for many reasons, I think like she's a, an incredible human. She's really complete. And I can identify with a lot of things that she had to go through in her life and just her like her personality. So... Yeah, definitely Alexi Papas has been one of my important mentors in life. Wow. Yeah. Maybe you'll meet her someday. Yeah. Maybe she'll run a UTMB race. I don't know. You'd see her. I don't know how, like, how much she is into trail running. Yeah, she ran Leadville last week, uh, but that was like way different than anything she's yeah, ever done. Yeah, it was completely like disruptive from what yeah. she has been running yeah. for the past like decade. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's been mostly running on like 
track when she was young and road running, I think. She's a marathonian yeah. for sure. She was the biggest race that my company puts on is called The Rut and it's in Montana uh, actually in a couple weeks. But Alexi Pappas' agent reached out last year to see if she could run one of our races. Whoa. And we were like, oh yes, that's gonna be so awesome. But then she didn't come. I don't think it worked out, but we were so excited. But maybe one of these years, if she does, I'll take a selfie and send it to you or something. Oh yes, yeah. please do. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, I would love to yeah. see that selfie. That's that really cool. Amazing. Yeah, I'll have to read her really book because I've heard really, yeah, I've heard it's incredible. It really is, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's the rain. Whoa. Hmm. So it's raining. Okay. Huh. I wonder how this will impact my fishing. <laughs> we'll have to and see. And your, like, your hiking plan? Yeah, we're going to go this afternoon. Going up to the <laughs> We'll have to okay. see. I was going to ask you, yeah. since you grew up here in Chamonix, yeah. uh, like, I also grew up in Missoula, and now I live there. Do you think you'll continue living in Chamonix like when you're older or do you want to live somewhere else? That's a good question. Um, I don't know. For some reason, I'm kind of always coming back to Cham. Yeah. I've studied in Annecy and came back to Cham afterward and I've been living in Canada and came back to Cham. I am right now thinking about moving somewhere else. I really love the Pyrenees, so yeah, yeah I could just move there. Or I love being in Sham, but I really enjoy when I am able to come back here for the amount of time I want and just enjoy the mountains, enjoy my friends and like not being stuck here with work and everything. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know, M maybe, but maybe not. Is that a yeah. good answer? <laughs> no, for sure. I was just wondering because yeah, like I grew up in Missoula and then went away for college, but same, like would always come back and I would always like I always just felt a little happier when I was in Missoula, like coming back from my breaks in college. And then I moved away again after college briefly to work for the Forest Service and then like moved back again. And yeah. I just eventually was like, I think I want to live in Missoula. And even though it was like the town I grew up in, it wasn't, I don't know, it was like nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, I just like it there. And it's yeah. perfect for what I do. Yeah, that's a yeah. great like base camp. Okay, Adam, so now that we know each other a bit better, it's time to play a game. So I'm going to tell you three facts about me and only one is true. Um, okay, I know enough. <laughs> okay, let's go. So the beauty of van life is the ability to make really quick plans. And when I heard that Alexi Papas was coming for the Cannes Festival this year, I went straight down to see her on the red carpet. But van life can be a bit tricky also. So a few weeks ago when I was traveling in the southwest of France, I set my van on the parking lot next to a circus. Uh, <laughs> little did I know that when the circus left, like the town put back the two meters max barriers at the entry of the parking uh -oh. lot. And yeah, my van is 2.5. Oh no. So yeah, <laughs> they basically just locked my van in the parking lot for a week. And yeah, I had to wait for a week before I was okay. able to leave. And the last one is, when I moved to Canada on my first minute outside of the airport, I slipped on some ice and twisted my ankle. Mm -hmm. It was like the first thing I did arriving in Canada. Okay. Which one is true? Okay, I think the first one you said is false about the red carpet yeah. because you've not met her. <laughs> I think the second one is true because the details were so good. 
<laughs> I think the third one is false. You won. Woo! Yes. Good job. <laughs> okay. That's amazing. Yeah. Can't believe it. That's a funny story. That's cool. <laughs> Wait, so your van was just in this space for a week? I was just locked in the... Yeah, for a whole week. <laughs> Were you... But it was... Could you sleep in it still? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. No, definitely. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. It was like a huge parking lot on the shore and it was outdoor, obviously. So uh-huh. yeah, I was totally able to <laughs> sleep and just live my life with the van inside the parking lot. But That's nice they let you stay there yeah. still, even though it was in there. Did you have to like buy a ticket for the circus? Nope. Oh, no, yeah. because no, the thing is that the circus, it was the last night they were there. Uh-huh. And so on the first night I slept there. And when I woke up the next morning, the circus was gone and the barriers were up. What oh, it was happened after the during the night? <laughs> yeah, it was just the end of it. And yeah, anyway, At least funny story. That's awesome. I feel like I got by easy because I learned you had never met Alexi Pappas. Yeah. Because you asked the question, uh-huh. actually. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, you asked, like, oh, maybe someday you'll meet her. I was like, uh, like I did. why should I maybe. answer to this uh-huh. question? Because you will uh-huh. know right away. All right. Uh, two falses and a true. Uh, so when I was fishing, I shot my lure and hit a drone passing by. But it wasn't stuck in the propellers. But it still carried my line, like, really far away. Like, I thought it was, like, the biggest cast of all time but it was a drone. Second one, so when I was younger, I actually was really into music. I was a very musical child. And I was really into like making my own musical instruments just out of like a pipe or something like that. I played the guitar, but like I didn't make a guitar, but I actually started like making my own didgeridoos and then selling them online when I was younger. All right, the next one. When I was in high school, like younger, uh, running with Mike Foote, I was doing a running camp in Montana on a nice sunny day, but at some point we heard a sound behind us and a grizzly bear was chasing us. So we ran faster and escaped it. Those <laughs> That's are the three. Hard. <laughs> so I think, I definitely think the second one is true. It's false. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're a good actor. <laughs> it sounded well, so like, was detailed true. and I was like, this is just too much of a weird thing it just it it can't be false almost everything is true but i never sold them online okay <laughs> but there's a part of it that is true oh yeah so I made, you played I made music and mm-hmm. guitar and okay. yeah i played them i made a youtube video about how to make them oh really mm-hmm. it was so really cool. embarrassing so i deleted it <laughs> but it got like a hundred thousand views wow <laughs> i was like so embarrassed i took it down way too many views for what it was yeah i was like 12 years old I actually had like really long hair, (laughs) bad. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I would have loved to watch that video. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone, erased off the face of the earth. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so you've never been chased by a a grizzly bear. Oh yeah, is it true? That one is true. That one's true. You were chased by a grizzly bear running with your coach? Wow. Yeah, I was with, uh, yeah, it was like a group of us and yeah, we were just doing like a nice, easy run. It was at a camp, so we were about an hour away from Missoula. But yeah, we were running with uh, this dog and the dog ran into the woods and then he was gone for like a minute. And then he just shot back out of the woods and this mama grizzly was like full speed <gasps> chasing it. And we were like right there just running and it was right behind us. and. Yeah, it was super scary. Unfortunately, it was like a bluff charge. Like in an ideal situation, we all would have stopped and like gotten like small, I guess, just to show that we weren't a threat. 
but there were enough of us running that I think we all just like started sprinting. And once someone started sprinting, like we all started sprinting. Yeah. And fortunately the thing was just like, like really fast and then just stopped and like looked at us. But for a sec, I was like, we're dead. Wow, that, yeah, super scary. Yeah, it was crazy. Okay. That's the other thing I like about here is I feel like I'm not gonna get uh, chased by like a bear. But in Montana, you Probably see them. Probably not. Yeah, yeah. We carry yeah. Uh, bear spray running. Like all the time when you're in the mountain? Uh, if you go like far enough, like in certain areas, yeah. Wow. And you see them and stuff, it's kind of, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. It is. But you're always on edge a little bit. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so that one was actually true. Okay. Three, two, one, go! Moving on to the UDMB community questions. UDMB has asked its community what they wanted to know about you. Oh yeah. So I'm gonna make myself the voice of okay. the community and Sweet. ask you a few questions. So this is a question from David. How do you reflect on this time of injuries outside of the tracks? I guess the silver lining of the injury was I got to spend a lot more time with my family during a time where I'd usually be pretty busy training. But yeah, like my, my parents still live in Missoula and yeah, like I got to just do a lot more chill things with them. Like I'd be playing Scrabble with my mom, like a board game or just go fishing with my dad. And then even this trip, like I got to visit my sister, whereas I don't think I would have otherwise because I would be racing. So yeah, a lot more family time. Yeah, so I'm grateful for that, for sure. Next question is from Matt. Are you the proud owner of the world's fittest pug? <laughs> okay, I would say I was the proud owner of one of the world's fittest pugs, but as of about, yeah, six months ago, I think she, she realized she didn't have to run anymore. And now I would say she's just not that fit. Like my girlfriend and I went for a run with her like a month ago, and yeah, she made it like three miles and then had to go back home. So okay. she was fit, but now she's, she's realized she doesn't have to and she's, yeah, losing fitness quickly. <laughs> she's just there for the treats. She's there for the treats, <laughs> yeah, and the hikes, yeah. Okay, so third and last question is from Jody. For early morning runs, what's your motivation to get out of bed? Well, I always have coffee in the morning, so that helps be motivated, wake up. But I don't know, I feel like I'm just excited about the races that I'm training for, where it doesn't necessarily always feel like really hard work. Yeah, I think I've found something that aligns with what I want to do, so I'm excited to do it. It doesn't always feel like I have to do something I don't want to do. And if it is a workout that I don't want to do, I know it'll make me better, so you have to trick yourself. Hmm. Wow, okay. Yeah. Coffee definitely yeah, just would coffee. have been my answer. Yeah, yeah. Just coffee. Yeah. Just only thinking about that, like, okay, let's have coffee and then we'll see. Yeah, and then see what the day holds. Yeah. That's true. As a closure to this conversation, I have one last question. So what's the plan for the next days here in Sham? Uh, my, my girlfriend will be running CCC again. Uh, she ran it last year. So yeah, we're just trying to get her ready, feeling good. And then I'll be crewing her at the three checkpoints along the way. So cool. yeah, no, looking forward to it. And uh, crewing. Yeah, it'll be fun. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah, she crews me a lot of races and I crew her, so. I feel like she does a really good job crewing me, so hopefully I can do as good a job crewing her. So a lot of pressure. The pressure is on, yeah. <laughs> okay. And it's way more stressful to crew than it is to race, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. wow, okay. Yeah, but no, I'm looking forward to it. Even though it will be a little stressful, I think she's gonna have a good day. What about you? So you said you had some friends running UTMB as well? Yeah, so not the full loop, but I have a few friends running on like the shorter uh, races. 
I'm probably gonna go and cheer them along the trails. Cool. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, thanks for the conversation. It was great getting to know you and this was a really cool format. Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciated the time we had together. It was really cool. Yeah. Super interesting to get to know you better. Yeah, for sure. There's one last thing. Adam, I know that you, you still have a few weeks of uh, time to kill. And uh, I know you read. I wrote a book for you. Oh, I no hope way. you never read it. It's Bonner Run from Christopher McDougall. Oh, sweet. That's you know awesome. It? Yeah, I know that book. That's awesome. Is that the one where he's like in Mexico? Yeah. Oh, the Copper yeah. Canyons. Thank you so much. You're welcome. This is awesome. Yeah, I think. So, yeah. so that's the first book about running uh -huh. I ever read. And yeah. I think this is the best so far. So it's your favorite. For me. Yeah, it's oh, my favorite. Sweet. So, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because isn't that cool. uh, like, isn't that actually Scott Drick? Yeah. That's cool. I'm stoked to read it. Yeah, I've heard a lot about it. Cool. Yeah. Can't this wait book to like was hear about your feedback. Like ten years ago, right? Wasn't it just a huge like? Yeah. 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 It's super interesting. There's super things in there about yeah. injuries and stuff. Yeah. So, oh, maybe yeah. that'd be good. Yeah. Wishing you many ultras ah, injury free. Thank you so much. <laughs> this will be great. <laughs> Appreciate it. Dang, I wish I had a book for you. No worries. It's okay. <laughs> I'll just send you one. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Wait for it. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. This is great. That's it for today. We hope you enjoyed this moment and found some inspiration to get out on the trail paths. If you did, please give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and share it with a friend, a colleague, or someone you just crossed paths with. If you don't want to miss the next episode, subscribe to the podcast and follow at UTMB World Series on social media. We will be back next month for a new extraordinary meetup. Stay tuned. Thanks for speaking English, though. I like your English is great. Thank you. Whereas, yeah, my French, I know like 900 words and apparently <laughs> now it feels like 10. <laughs> no, it's okay. Yeah.